In today's brief, we'll talk about more war crimes, more warships, and more cluster munitions. I'm Yulia, and today is Friday, July 7th, 2023. By the time you listen to this podcast, it's going to be the birthday of Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Valery Zaluzhny. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief Podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine, from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, GSAFU, reported on the evening of July 6th that Russian forces made unsuccessful attempts to advance in the areas of Bilohorivka and Karmazenivka in Luhansk. The areas of Ivanova and Bilohora on the Bakhmut axis, the Marienka area, and near Novomikhailivka in Donetsk. Ukrainian forces are holding ground in the Kubensk axis and continuing offensive operations on Bakhmut's northern and southern flanks and the Manitobol and Berdyansk axes. The GSAFU also reported Russian command's ongoing practice of using children's institutions in temporarily occupied settlements to accommodate their troops, with the intention of using the civilian population as human shields. In Novopatrivka, Zaporizhia Oblast, Russian forces have set up a military base on the territory of the Vesna Children's Sanatorium, keeping more than 800 personnel and dispersed military equipment in close proximity to residential buildings. In Chumakivka, Kherson Oblast, Russian occupiers converted the IVA recreational base into a military commandant where, according to GSAFU, patriotic citizens of Ukraine are interrogated and tortured. Ukrainian sources reported that Russian forces attempted an assault on a Ukrainian bridgehead in the occupied Kherson Oblast, but ended up on the receiving end of a massive artillery strike losing 23 fighting vehicles and armored cars, as well as boats and drones. Moving on to the home front. Ukrainian Minister of Internal Affairs Ihor Klemenko reported that a caliber cruise missile hit a residential building in Lviv in the west of Ukraine on the night of July 6th. That's um, where I'm from. The strike destroyed two floors in the structure, and when rescue operations concluded late on the 7th, 10 people had been killed and 42 wounded, including three children. The oldest casualty was a 95-year-old World War II survivor. Ten-caliber cruise missiles have been launched at the city by Russian forces. Seven of them were shot down by Ukrainian air defenses. According to Ukrainian Air Force spokesman Yuri Ignat, quote, the enemy worked out a route using both the terrain and riverbeds, in this case, the Dnipro. The missiles seemed to be flying towards Kyiv, but they turned sharply towards Lviv. They could have been intercepted by fighter jets, and some of the missiles were intercepted by fighter aircraft. But it was a very small part. An F-16 could have handled it, end quote. Lviv Mayor Andriy Sadovy criticized UNESCO for its response to the Russian attack on the city, a World Heritage Site, saying, quote, Yesterday, UNESCO condemned the missile attacks on the historic center of Lviv. However, they did not dare to name the terrorist country that carried out these attacks. Moreover, Russia remains a member of the organization's executive committee. End quote. Russian attacks against nine oblasts in the east and south of Ukraine killed four and injured seven on July 7th. 
Ukrainian Prime Minister Denis Shmuhal met with Deputy Prime Minister Mikhailo Fedorov, National Security and Defense Council Secretary Alexei Danilov, Defense Minister Alexei Reznikov, Interior Minister Klimenko, Strategic Industries Minister Alexander Kamyshin, and representatives of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, announcing that after the war, Ukraine will abandon its current conscription format, a mandatory draft, in favor of a professional army and two reserve components. About time. Human Rights Watch has accused the Ukrainian armed forces of being involved in the alleged use of cluster munitions in attacks on then-Russian-occupied Izum, Kharkiv Oblast, in 2022, which led to civilian casualties. Are you sure they're watching for human rights or Russian rights? 47 Ukrainians were liberated from Russian captivity on July 6th, including 45 soldiers of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, the National Guard of Ukraine, and the State Border Guard, most of whom were, quote, seriously injured, end quote, according to Ukraine's human rights ombudsman, Dmitro Lubinets. Two children were also repatriated to Ukraine. Yes, I said children, aged 6 and 10. The children were allowed to return to Ukraine upon the release of their mother, a combat medic, last October. The United Nations Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights reported on July 7 that 9,177 civilians in Ukraine have been confirmed dead as a result of Russia's full-scale invasion, including 535 children. 15,993 civilians have been confirmed as injured, including 1,095 children. The numbers of dead and injured have not been confirmed in occupied areas or where hostilities are ongoing, so they are likely much higher. The Security Service of Ukraine, or the SBU, Counterintelligence conducted a special operation in the Kirovograd region, during which a Russian FSB agent was detained. According to the SBU, the FSB agent had been tasked with getting a job at a local defense company in order to collect information on the repair of Ukrainian military equipment. Next up, the temporarily occupied territories. The risk of a terrorist attack and a subsequent ecological disaster at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, or ZNPP, is diminished. According to the Chief of Defense Intelligence of Ukraine, Kirilo Budanov, in an interview with The Times, saying, quote, We are taking certain actions in this area, both public and non-public, and I think that now the risk of an artificial, man-made disaster is slowly decreasing, end quote. The American Nuclear Society, or the ANS, stated that, quote, Our experts have carefully considered worst-case scenarios, including bombardment and deliberate sabotage of the reactors and spent fuel storage canisters. They cannot foresee a situation that would result in radiation-related health concerns to the public, end quote. Crimean Tatar journalist Ramzi Bekirov was sent to Siberia for 19 years for reporting on Russian repression in occupied Crimea. Bekirov was described by a former ambassador to Ukraine as, quote, an inspiration, not only to fellow Ukrainians, but to freedom-loving people around the world, end quote. 
A soldier who had been on duty at the border with Crimea on February 24, 2022, Ivan Sestrevatovsky, told Ukrainska Pravda how he had tried to blow up the Chanhar bridges connecting Kherson Oblast to occupied Crimea, but the explosive devices did not work and the unit had to withdraw. Sestrevatovsky posited that a Russian sabotage group might have already landed or the wires could have been damaged by mortar shelling. Speaking of damaged mortar shelling, let's talk about the Russian Federation. According to the UK Ministry of Defense, Russia will move eight warships, including three capable of launching caliber cruise missiles, to the Azov Sea. The warships are to be commanded by Russia's newly created Azov Naval District. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? Headquartered in the occupied city of Mariupol. The district, subordinate to the Black Sea Fleet, was reportedly created on July 1st. There was an explosion at the Promsentez explosives plant in Russia's Samara Oblast on July 7th. Six people were reportedly killed in the blast and two injured. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky stated in an interview with CNN that, quote, Putin does not control the situation in the regions. He does not control the security situation. We all understand that his entire army is on the territory of Ukraine, almost all of it. And that's why the Wagner Group went so easily, because who can stop them? He doesn't control regional politics. He doesn't control the people who are there. That is the entire power vertical that he had. It crumbled. End quote. President Zelensky cited a study that found, quote, 18 or 19 regions of Russia specifically supported Prigozhin's actions, and 21 specifically supported Putin, and a certain number of regions did not know who to support. Half of the people in Russia are wavering. End quote. Self-declared president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, and our favorite potato king, reported on July 6th that private military company, or PMC, Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin, is no longer in Belarus, but did not elaborate on where he might be, or how long he was in the country. Lukashenko added that the relocation of Wagner units to Belarus had not been resolved and would depend on decisions made by PMC Wagner and Russia. Satellite images show that tent camps which had been constructed on the territory of Belarus and used to train Russian soldiers are being dismantled. The GSAFU reported that the Kremlin plans to recruit as many as 500,000 people to the Russian armed forces in order to replenish the personnel lost in Ukraine. Oleksiy Hromov, deputy chief of the main operational directorate of the general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine, whose professional title is longer than a James Cameron movie, said in an interview with Ukrainian news agency Ukrinform that, quote, Officially, mobilization in Russia has been suspended. However, measures are being taken to recruit contract soldiers to man up and replenish the loss of Russian units in the combat zone. The level of training and support for the soldiers who sign the contracts is insufficient to perform their assigned tasks. They gain the necessary experience directly during combat operations, end quote, adding that Russia is preparing for a long war of attrition. Coming up next, European news. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. 
If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingen.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. European News According to the Kyiv School of Economics, Western companies remaining in Russia contributed $3.5 billion in taxes to the Russian budget, nearly a quarter of all tax revenue. Among the top 20 are U.S. companies Philip Morris, Pepsi, Mars, Procter & Gamble, and Cargill, as well as Korean companies Hyundai, Samsung, and Kia Motors. At number 20, Swedish company IKEA. Look, I'm not mad. I'm just really disappointed. On behalf of Linnea, you know what? No, I'm mad. Kia betra. Sorry, I'm no Linnea when it comes to Swedish. President Zelensky visited Sofia, Bulgaria, on July 6th to hold, quote, in-depth talks, end quote, with Bulgarian Prime Minister Nikolai Denkov. Zelensky said on Telegram that topics of discussion included, quote, defense support, Ukraine's Euro-Atlantic integration, the NATO summit, security guarantees, and the implementation of the peace formula, end quote. Ukraine and Bulgaria have nearly reached an agreement regarding the purchase of two Russian-made nuclear reactors from Bulgaria. According to the agreement, Bulgarian state-owned energy company NEK will sell them more than 600 million euros in equipment from the unfinished Belene NPP to Ukrainian state nuclear company Energoatom. During the meeting, pro-Russian president of Bulgaria, Rumen Radev, said that there is, quote, no military solution, end quote, to the war in Ukraine and that, quote, more and more weapons will not solve the problem, end quote. In a terse response, Zelensky asked what Bulgaria would do in his place, saying, quote, You would say, Putin, please, seize Bulgarian territory. No, you would not compromise your independence. It's your right not to support aid to Ukraine. But I would really like you to understand me correctly. End quote. Criticizing Radev for using the word conflict instead of the war. And rejected proposals for a diplomatic settlement, saying, quote, Ukraine and NATO must share common values. You cannot support Russia because Russia wants to destroy NATO and the EU. These are their goals. Do you understand me? End quote. During Zelensky's visit, his motorcade was harassed by a pro-Russian politician dressed up as a priest, appearing to curse the president and bless him with holy water. President Zelensky also visited Slovakia to discuss military aid to Ukraine, its integration into NATO and the EU, and the upcoming Vilnius summit. That one went much better. According to the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, OCCRP, and RISE Project, roughly 300 firms are being investigated by Ukraine for allegedly failing to properly document their training in Ukrainian grain or to pay taxes on it. The firms in question were created after Russia's full-scale invasion in 2022, and many are Romanian subsidiaries of international companies. The OCCRP further reported that investigation found several of the companies had been ordered shut down by Hungarian authorities, but continued trading. Among the listed owners and directors are patients in psychiatric hospitals and an aspiring TikTok influencer. 
President Zelensky announced on July 7th that the House of Representatives of the Netherlands, which is the lower house of the parliament, had recognized the Holodomor as a genocide against the Ukrainian people. Now let's talk about the news worldwide. Israel has extended visas and simplified employment for Ukrainian refugees, according to Interior Minister of Israel Moshe Arbel. Allowing Ukrainians with a Ukrainian passport to get a job if 90 days have passed since entering Israel. The B-2 tourist visa is also being extended to January 31, 2024, for Ukrainian citizens who were legally in Israel as of February 24, 2022, or entered the country later. The U.S. supports Ukraine's accession to NATO on the condition that Ukraine meets all the requirements of the alliance, according to White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre on July 5th. Turkish news outlet Sabah reported that President Zelensky will visit with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan in Turkey the day before the NATO summit in Vilnius, in Lithuania. And finally, let's talk military tech. According to the Ukraine Support Database, maintained by German Kiel Institute for the World Economy, Ukraine has caught up with Russia's tank numbers. Having received 471 tanks delivered to Ukraine by allied nations and 286 still to come. I'm pretty sure Ukraine not only has more tanks than Russia now, but also more Russian tanks than Russia now. Czech Prime Minister Petr Fiala tweeted on July 7th that Czechia will be sending attack helicopters and, quote, hundreds of thousands, end quote, of rounds of large-caliber ammunition in the coming months. Czechia will also help Ukraine train pilots, including on F-16 fighter jets. Russia's Zala Lancet drones have emerged as one of the biggest dangers faced by Ukrainian forces in the ongoing counteroffensive, and frontline troops say use of the drones has ramped up in recent months. Lancets are X-winged suicide drones controlled by pilots via real-time video transmitted from the nose of the drone. The latest iteration of the drone has a range radius of more than 40 kilometers, meaning it can strike targets far beyond the front lines, where high-value missile systems and radars are often stationed. The newest Lancets can reportedly carry a warhead of up to 5 kilograms. U.S. President Joe Biden finally approved the transfer of cluster munitions to Ukraine, according to White House officials. Cluster munitions have been a controversial topic. They disperse multiple small bomblets upon detonation, covering far more ground than traditional artillery, with some concern regarding the failure rate of the bomblets upon impact, leaving behind dangerous, unexploded ordnance. An unnamed U.S. security official stated that cluster munitions are, quote, 100% necessary, end quote, for Ukraine to retake occupied territory, and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has reportedly advised President Biden to send cluster munitions to Ukraine. The design of the bombs has reportedly improved to have a dud rate, that would be the rate at which bomblets failed to detonate on impact, of only 2%, and the munitions would enable Ukrainian forces to more effectively fight entrenched Russian soldiers while also making up for diminishing artillery reserves. 
You can read more about cluster munitions in an upcoming article on our Substack, which will be published on Sunday. And that's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please, consider supporting our work on Patreon. You will find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, read our Patreon brief. And stay safe, everyone. До побачення!